Welcome to More Than A Few Words, a marketing conversation for small business owners. MTFW is a production of Roundpeg, where we help small businesses become big businesses. This is Lorraine Ball and Allison Carter, and today we're going to talk about social media. That's not really that unusual for us. Now, we talk about it a lot, but today we're going to talk about who should be running your social media program. Hmm. Isn't that a $10 million question? It is the $10 million question, and you would think after all of this time, because we've had this conversation for years now, that some of these things would no longer still be popping up. But I still have people who tell me, oh yes, I've hired an intern, and they're going to handle my social media. That was my head. (laughs) On the desk. Because no. 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 I think that whenever I hear that, to me what it says is the business owner is not taking social media seriously. But everyone tells them that they have to be on the Twitter and the face place and all of that. And so they're just going to get some totally, like, little girl who knows how to use social media, and that'll be great. Except that in this day and age, social media is serious marketing. Serious. And it is becoming for many businesses their primary conversation point with their customers. Or at least a primary channel. And it, it is it is becoming a serious channel, and from their customers' perspective, certainly, it is even more so. Um, and this idea that just because you know how to use a tool in a general sense, that somehow that makes you qualified to use it in a business sense is absurd. I mean, I know how to talk. Would you like to hire me for your professional voiceover? Uh, no. <laughs> and probably... Okay, they probably don't want to hire me for their professional voice over either. <laughs> Touche. But the fact of the matter is, the physical ability to do something does not mean that you have the mental skill set to allow you to do it. And it doesn't mean that your intern is stupid. It doesn't mean that your intern doesn't have the capability to learn to do social media. What it means is that they don't understand from a strategic perspective how to use social media. One of the things that I said to a client recently is I asked him, I said, would you turn over your advertising budget to an intern? And he had quite a significant advertising budget. He says, no, are you kidding? I'm not going to let some 17-year-old kid write that kind of a check. And I'm like, okay, your social media for for this particular company, your social media is as big a check. He's like, no, it's nothing. And I'm like, really? number of people that you're reaching, the visibility, the potential exposure, and the money you're paying the intern and the time that your intern or you are spending is a significant investment. If you're going to do it, do it right. The other issue, and we'll get off interns here in a minute, the other issue with having an intern do your social media, and I've seen this happen time and time again, particularly with nonprofits, is you bring in an intern to start your social media campaign. They do. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. They're great at it. Everything went swimmingly. You couldn't have asked for more. It was a huge success. They leave. Maybe you get another intern. Maybe you don't. Maybe you do get another intern, but they don't have that same skill set. And suddenly it's got a whole different tone and vibe. Or maybe you never have another intern, and then all of a sudden that great audience that you've built up all goes to waste because you don't have the quote-unquote time or inclination to play on that social media stuff. That really leads me to this idea that 
social media is not a job anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was a kid and before, it was very common for companies to have typists. Mm-hmm. And there was a typing pool, and this was a job, and you could earn, if you were a good typist, you could earn a good, you were a woman, so you didn't earn that good of a living, but you could earn a living just typing. Mm-hmm. And then desktop computers became part of corporate America, and suddenly everyone was doing their own typing. And actually the people who knew how to type were moving up through the ranks faster because their reports, their information could get in front of management as soon as they had the idea. They didn't have to wait for a secretary or a typist mm-hmm. to do it for them. The same is true for social media. Absolutely. I think that, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of specialization, but I think that the fact is, if you're good at, so, if you're quote unquote good at social media, if you see good results, if you understand the strategic applications, you understand how to do analytics, you should be good in other areas of marketing, and so as a result, it will be folded into a larger job description, and we'll see fewer community managers, we'll see fewer social media managers, and we'll simply see more communications or marketing folk. I also think that you'll see more people inside a company being involved. And right. that, particular, let's, let's go back to the not-for-profits. You have that one intern, they leave, but if the not-for-profit engages all of their board members in their social media program mm-hmm. with some direction, mm-hmm. and so now half a dozen board members are all providing content, mm-hmm. two or three employees are providing content, when you lose one person, mm-hmm. the whole program doesn't go by the wayside. I'm actually planning on starting something like that with uh, Storytelling Arts of Indiana here soon. They have a Twitter account that's handled by the executive director, which is great, but she's just one person. With all of us put together, we can have so much larger range, a wider diversity of voices. You know, I have to tell you a funny story. I don't know if you saw this yesterday. Someone tweeted me. Every morning I get in and I tweet whatever our day's blog post is. And I tweet it from both my personal account, Alice Nell Carter, and I also tweet it from the Round Peg account. And someone, and I, they're, they're different. From my personal account, they're just a little bit different. And someone tweeted me and said, I always enjoy comparing your Round Peg and your personal tweets because yours are so much starkier, which is, which is a, it, a deliberate choice that is entirely by design. I can be a little bit more sarcastic personally, whereas I don't perhaps want to expose the brand to that sort of heavy sarcasm that I can dish out. But I thought that was really funny. And that just shows how different styles appeal to different people. Absolutely. and I, But I also think that when you do a status update, even for round pen, mm-hmm. versus when Tamara does it, versus when I do it, the voice is still a little different. Slightly, sure. And we, we try to stay fairly in the same family, but that adds to the richness mm-hmm. of, of the voice. And it also takes a lot of the pressure off any one of us. Exactly. And that's the thing. People always see social media as this huge, overwhelming thing. It doesn't have to be. You can break it up. You can subdivide some of those responsibilities. So maybe there's one person who does the baseline that's tweeting out your news and your fun facts and and your links to your website. Then there's another person who's maybe customer service. Maybe there's another one who's in charge of finding pictures to share on Facebook. You can divide that and play to people's strengths. Absolutely. And, and, And that's really the key. If you've got 
one person in your organization that likes to take pictures. They're always running around with their iPhone taking pictures. Leverage that. Don't put the words person in charge of getting the pictures. Yeah, we did that for a long time. It didn't work all that well. <laughs> Allison is great with words. Um, she's a better photographer now than she used to be, but she still doesn't really enjoy it. I don't care. And so, um, you know, if, if somebody's head's cut off, somebody's head's cut off, it's a picture. Yeah, what do you want? I put a picture up there. That's what she said. So find someone who enjoys that. Um, Tamara, more than any of us, likes to play with Vine. And so if there's a Vine video um, that's going to be on our blog or our Facebook page, I can pretty much guarantee you Tamara probably shot it. Mm -hmm. So the, the most important thing here is have a clear division of labor and make sure that everyone understands what their role is. You don't want to get into multiple people answering the same same comment. You don't want to have someone who is not qualified to be dealing with customers, dealing with customers, because that can turn into a social media disaster in a heartbeat. You simply need to have a clear social media plan and regular meetings to make sure that it's all going according to that plan. And from there, it just becomes a, a small part out of your day, another one of your job duties. The other thing is the plan and the guidelines. Yes. I, I think there's there's two things. There's the here's what we're trying to accomplish and here are the things we do and don't do mm -hmm. on social media. Mm -hmm. Here are the conversations we don't want to be a part of. <laughs> and this is huge. Mm -hmm. um, in even in our office we have very divergent um, styles and very very divergent opinions on a wide variety of issues and it makes for a very interesting work environment. It does not make for a unified voice if we all express those opinions under the round peg umbrella. But you know it's interesting. We used to we used to advise almost universally don't talk about politics or religion. I'll leave religion kind of to the side. But don't talk about politics on Facebook. And there was a time, actually, where we had a very serious conversation, you and I, and we decided to take a political stand on something. And that was the transportation issue. Do you remember that? I do. In that instance, I made a decision that the conversation around public transportation mm -hmm. in Indianapolis would have a real impact on the business community mm -hmm. of which Round Peg is a part. Mm -hmm. And in that instance, I really felt we needed to get off the fence. Mm -hmm. That this was good for business, it was good for the community, and it was appropriate for Round Peg as a business to have an opinion on that political issue. Well, and the funny thing was, we, we actually caught a little bit of flack for this from a gentleman on Twitter who was, you know, oh, so you want higher taxes. I never even considered public transport to be a political issue. I considered it to be a quality of life issue, a business community issue, something that concerned all Hoosiers and everyone in Indianapolis. And he was getting on us for taking political stands. There comes a point, you have to talk about something. Absolutely. And I, I think that the way I would probably, well, the way I would counsel a client today is when you start looking at talking about an issue that is related to your business, like the public transportation issue, you need to think about the pros and cons. Mm -hmm. If you sit it out, you miss an opportunity. And in, in that particular instance, 
I felt like we would miss an opportunity to influence people mm -hmm. because I think our brand has got a certain amount of influence in the business community. That's on the pro side. The con side is there are people who don't like the idea. But I will say, one of the most vehement uh, opponents is actually a client of ours who was in yesterday to do a quote on reciting the house. So just because you have divergent political views doesn't mean you can't do business together. Absolutely. I have, uh, I have some friends and longtime business associates in this community. We have, we agree to disagree. I have some parents with whom I agree to disagree. <laughs> so I think you, I think, you know, without going too far down this whole, what do you talk about? I think the bottom line is you have to have an opinion mm -hmm. on and, and guidelines for your employees. Yes. And, and when we came, we came to that issue, we didn't just jump in. Lorraine and I sat down and we had a conversation about whether we wanted to do this and what the implications were and what the risks were. We did all of that. It was not a spur-of-the-moment decision. The other thing that we often do is if it's an issue that maybe is not appropriate for Roundpeg as a brand, we each have the right individually to do it on our personal accounts. Even that, I caution some some mediation. There are some things I, I'm very passionate about uh, the gay, lesbian, transgender, bisexual rights movement. I will often tweet about that. Am I going to get into tax policy and my personal opinions on the president or the speaker of the house? No good can come of that. Well, and I, I you know, as a business owner, mm -hmm. I probably stay closer to the same rules that I have for Roundpeg. But I see you tweet some of that stuff, too. I, I do. Um, uh, I will certainly be a little um, further out on the spectrum in terms of what I share from my personal account than what I share from Roundpeg, but I do try okay. to keep them close. Absolutely. But going back to, and I guess this whole idea of where do you go with your social media, who should be running it, it has to start with a strategy. It does. It has to start with who is your customer, mm -hmm. what do you want them to do when they hear from you? Mm -hmm. And if you can answer those two questions, you'll be a long way through deciding which platform should you be on. Yep. And what should you be saying? What should you be sharing on any of those platforms? And then it's easier to provide guidance for your employees or for the external marketing firm who maybe is supporting you in your social media activities. And you make a great point. You, you, you chose your words very deliberately there. You said the social media organization who is supporting you. And I think that that is the key phrase there. You cannot outsource all of your social media. I say this as an outsource social media <laughs> worker. It will fail. If you are not engaged, it's never going to have as good as, I mean, and as good as we are, it's never going to have your true voice if you're not adding that little bit of personality, if you're not capturing images on the fly, if you're not getting sound bites from customers and employees as they go about their day in their life and bringing that to the table. Yeah, you've got to be engaged. You can certainly have a social media company helping set strategy. That's a great thing. Providing training, that's a great thing. But I'm going to say that for day-to-day, -day, who should be doing your social media? A team of people in-house 
not dedicated people, but as part of other responsibilities following a clear, concise plan? It is, um, I, I think one of the places that we uh, add a lot of value is laying down what I call, you know, it's a military metaphor, ground cover. We can share the baseline content, but the, the warmth, the personality, the really interesting yeah. stuff, that's going to come from you on the ground as it happens. Absolutely. So, if you're thinking about social media, if you're trying to figure out who should be doing it or how, of course, we'd love to talk with you, and we're only a phone call away. If you'd like to learn more about our opinions on social media, and yes, we have many, you can go to our blog at roundpeg.biz. This has been another episode of More Than a Few Words. Thanks for listening.